1: I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Before we hop into today's episode, I want to share with you a free resource you may not know about yet. Each week, I have told you that there is no place on earth like a wildfire writing workshop. That sounds good and all, but maybe you're still not quite sure you want to join one. I hear you. That's why each month I offer a free 90-minute pop-up writing workshop. It's the third Tuesday of the month on a variety of topics related to our survivorship. It's a prompt style workshop, which means I bring with me little things to tickle your imagination, stir emotion, give you an entry point onto the page, because sometimes starting is the hardest part about writing, even if you know you want to write your breast cancer stories. So I help guide you to the page and there's no right or wrong answer to a prompt. It's all about the cathartic flow of words, the release. This is where the healing lies, and you get to do it in a Zoom room full of others also diagnosed young. When you hear their stories and share your own, you'll be amazed at what happens. Join us for the next pop-up, Wildfire Writing Workshop. You can find out more. Join my email newsletter so you never miss a beat at wildfirecommunity.org. All right, now on to today's episode. Today, we're going to hear a piece about money. You probably didn't expect me to say that after all, this is a podcast about deeply personal cancer stories, but money stories are deeply personal. And when you get cancer, your money issues don't evaporate or become frivolous. If anything, cancer turns up the volume on the other topics in our lives that are often considered taboo. That's certainly true for death, sex, and yes, money. I love money stories. Money stories tell us about our families, our beliefs, our loves, our traumas, what we feel about our savings accounts and retirement accounts and spending cash or lack of all of the above. Well, when you peel back the layers on how you feel about all of these things, you uncover a lot of stories. What do you feel safe spending your money on? How has cancer changed that? Do you hold your money closer or do you now feel it is meant to be spent on things that make you happiest? Do you worry about having a nest egg for your kiddos or maybe cancer has affected your career? It certainly exploded mine. I never expected to start my own business, but then cancer came and it felt extremely necessary. As you listen today, see what money stories bubble up for you. And then I want you to send them to me for the first time ever. I'm doing a money issue of wildfire magazine. The Money and Cancer issue will be coming out in August, and the deadline to submit is June 25th. All right, today I have with me Margaret Lonewska and the story of a life-changing purchase, because life can be changed in one decision, one transaction, one promise that you believe in yourself enough today that there will be a tomorrow. My guest Margaret was 40 when she was diagnosed with stage 4 de novo, triple positive, check 2 positive breast cancer. It was 2019, and the day she learned of her metastatic diagnosis, she was also pregnant with her daughter, Mariana. Mariana was born prematurely in January of 2020 and spent three months in the NICU. Today, Margaret joins me from her home in Toronto, where she lives with Mariana, her husband, and a rescue dog named Lucky. Welcome to the burn, Margaret. Hi, April. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. So you are reading a piece that you wrote for our NBC stage four self-care issue. Just to let everyone know, each October, I devote our entire wildfire issue to amplifying the stories of women diagnosed with stage four. And in this particular issue, we explored what self-care means when you're living with cancer. And it was in that issue that you told the story of money well spent in a piece you titled hashtag Gucci tracksuit. So let me turn it over to you. <laughs> okay, thanks. Um,
0: hashtag Gucci Tracksuit. Why would you spend anything on yourself? You have stage four cancer. Aren't you going to die soon? Why bother with fancy new clothes? All you do is stay at home and go to the hospital. You will look ridiculous shopping with your cane. Is there anything else money can be spent on? You are at death's door. These may be some of the things metastatic breast cancer patients may think about themselves or imagine others may think about them, that we shouldn't want material things and that we don't deserve them. The metastatic breast cancer diagnosis came at me fast. I went from a 40-year-old woman about to embark on first-time motherhood to a shell of a human in a lonely hospital bed. In August of 2019, I was five weeks pregnant and newly diagnosed with breast cancer after a biopsy of a small lump. The treatment plan was to have a lumpectomy followed by four rounds of chemotherapy before giving birth. Easy! By October 2019, my back pain was so severe that I was taken to hospital via ambulance. What I found out after an MRI was that the cancer was already in my bones and that I wasn't dealing with a small tumor, but extensive metastases throughout my entire spine, ribs, and hips. By the time I was admitted, there were seven compressed vertebrae and five broken ribs. This was the beginning of my second trimester. Up to that point, I really thought my back pain was pregnancy-related I didn't know anything about MBC and what that means for a patient. I didn't know that there was no cure. It never crossed my mind. Throughout that ordeal, a conversation sticks out to me very clearly. I was laying in the emergency room after finding out about the spinal lesions. My very busy medical oncologist came down to the emergency department after her long day just to talk to me. This already made it so much more serious. She explained to me that the difference between how MBC is treated. She really put the emphasis on the word palliative. Since there is no cure, anything that is done is with palliative and not curative intent. I must have made a face because she told me that it will sink in eventually. To me, palliative meant that you are... In the last stages of your life, and you are made comfortable with pain medication and are left to wait out your final days. I remember looking at my husband and being really confused. Was I going to die before I get to know my child? My experience to that point had been only with early stage breast cancers. And once patients go through the grueling gauntlet of treatment, they come out on the other side having won a battle. I am almost a year into my diagnosis and now I know those initial views of palliative treatment were wrong. My oncologist was trying to tell me that there is no cure and therefore the treatment may not be as aggressive. I don't need to go through a double mastectomy. I don't get a new pair of boobs. I will get treated with what is available and I will be monitored closely for further progression of the disease." And yes, I will most likely die of complications related to this disease, but like a person with a chronic illness, I don't know when that will be and I will be doing everything to make sure that it is in the hopeful, distant future. Almost a year in and I finally feel more like myself. I'm starting to see friends. Thanks to the pandemic, that has been difficult. I finally feel well and confident enough to take care of Mariana, my sweet daughter. She had a rough start to her life. By being born three months early and spending her first few months in the NICU, not to mention going through chemo with me. I have come to terms with my frequent trips to medical daycare where I get treatment. My hair is growing back and I love all my wig options. This brings me to the question what can an MBC patient want? What can they hope for? Recently, I was able to do something that really made me feel normal and yet exceptional. In terms of self-care, this is what anyone really wants to experience. Do normal things, do fun things, and have adventures. I am not an irrational person. I know that this may not be every person's idea of self-care. But my silly dream for years has always been to rock a fancy designer tracksuit. It was always a funny idea but I did imagine going into a luxury store and having a friendly staff member wait on me and bring me one of each style. I would then walk out with my bags full of my newly purchased gear smiling from ear to ear. Think Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. I jokingly mentioned these wishes to my friends and husband and we would laugh about it. Just how crazy it would be to spend the money on that instead of something you really need. Well, just like that, the cancer diagnosis took those kinds of fun ideas away, at least momentarily. But in that dark time, I knew that I had a crew of folks thinking of me, supporting me, and checking in on me. Thanks to a very generous gift from a big group of my friends, I was given the funds to get myself that dream tracksuit. The best part? They presented me the gift over a Zoom call. I saw so many little screens of love. One of my friends even drew a cartoon depiction of me in my future suit. Why a tracksuit? Well, why not a tracksuit? It's versatile, comfortable, and frankly, it's baller AF. I had the shopping experience I always dreamt about. I got to go to the Gucci store and pick out a sweet tracksuit with the help of a knowledgeable salesman. I joked that I can never shop anywhere else again. Why do I ever need new clothes now? I have all the perfectly stitched matching pants and zip-up sweater combo I will ever want. The perfect dark blue color with the iconic Gigi pattern in white and the distinct white and red stripes down the side of the arms and legs. Not very many people can say that whenever they need a hug from their friends, they can just grab a sweater and squeeze. I am here to say that I am still here. I still can have silly wishes and dreams, and it's not selfish. It's self-care. Life should be more than waiting on your next appointment and procedure. NBC patients are still deserving of material things and to be treated to shopping experiences. I wish everyone could get their own version of a designer tracksuit. Now I just need those Gucci sneakers. Mm-hmm.
1: I I wish everyone could see me. I just have been grinning ear to ear listening to you, Margaret. Thank you so much for your story. <laughs> thanks. Thanks.
0: Yeah. Yes, it was, uh, you know, it was a great experience to, to write it, to put it down, um, to put it down on paper um, and just kind of express my feelings about that tracksuit and that experience and just how that links to feeling normal. Right and
1: and having dreams. Exactly, exactly. And you did it so well. So let's take a quick break here and we'll um, hear from a testimonial. And then I have lots of questions for you and we'll get into all of this. Hi, my name is Julie Stonefelt and I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 35 in 2015 in Edmonds, Washington. I shared my story in Wildfire Magazine and The Burn podcast in 2022. They were powerfully healing experiences for me. Before finding Wildfire, I was struggling with making sense of all the complex feelings that come with survivorship. Now I have found the courage to tell my story without shame or guilt. I've come to understand that while my story is my own, my experiences as a young survivor are not unique. And that has helped me feel far less alone. So thank you, April and the whole Wildfire community for creating this place for the women too young for breast cancer. Thank you so much for the love, Julie. And hey, those of you listening, I would love to hear your testimonials too. Please send me your voice recordings to editor at wildfirecommunity.org. Would love to hear how wildfire is impacting you and your survivorship. All right, back to my guest, Margaret. Thank you again for your powerful writing and um, for telling a money story. I don't know if you agree with this, but I don't think we have enough money stories out there, especially at the intersection of money and illness.
0: Um, yes. I mean, it, you know, uh, a lot of the stories that I do that I do read tend to be just more about feelings, emotions. Um but, uh, yeah, material things, you know, those those can impact emotions and you know, elicit feelings so so, yes, i I do agree that that not enough. And being a cancer patient, there is kind of money um issues with everything, right? There is issues with access to medications and any other kind of supports, right? So uh, as a cancer patient, are you really allowed to spend money on anything else other than
1: your medications? Right, right. And that begs the question of what it is to live with cancer, right? Versus just... um just in quotations marks, um, surviving. And I think it is about honoring yourself and finding the places that you can still experience joy and you're allowed to feel joy and it's safe for you to feel joy. Um, so right prior to us recording, um, I got an email from you and you said that you had just come back from Hawaii, which obviously is another Expense, right? Uh, you know, a trip is is spending money on yourself. Tell us how was the trip, and and yeah, today's feelings about spending money on yourself. Uh yes. Yeah, so, I uh, you know, in terms of time frame, the article I
0: wrote, uh, in uh, just a year into my diagnosis. Now we are uh, heading into year three. Um. So you know time wise sometimes some time has passed um yes i uh me and my family that just come back from a trip to hawaii uh for us it's a little bit further than you yes. uh it's a it's it's quite a trek to get to hawaii uh and yeah you are right it is an expensive thing to do and especially with a toddler mm. uh and uh, traveling was another thing that was taken away from me it was it was taken away from me me and my husband used to travel quite extensively um, all over the all over the globe you know I have been to Hawaii before but this time it just felt so different and especially after the pandemic when it was just not just the cancer keeping us away but it was the world basically (laughs) was keeping us from traveling as well Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just another little thing. And, you know, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, when we would, you know, loosely make plans to go places, and then we would have to cancel them. And it was just, uh, you know, another month and another month. And all I could think in my head is, am I going to be alive mm-hmm. in another month? Is something going to happen with this cancer that's going to totally change? And we absolutely have to cancel again or we just won't make it or or we we can't go or something happens to Mariana and we can't go uh so it yeah that the the sort of the achievement of being able to go and and making it there was also incredible the other thing that happened was that actually uh we were able to meet up with uh with my husband's mom or my Mm. mother-in-law or grandma Uh, and that was the first time that uh mariana and grandma got to meet in person because grandma does not live in uh in canada does not live in toronto she lives in the united states so um yes it was it was just a monumental trip and that's why it just felt so different than all of the other trips that we were able to take together
1: well, gosh, yeah. I'm so glad you guys were able to do that. And I hate that the pandemic you know, has to be intertwined in so many cancer stories now and causing delay and, like you said, anxiety about what does this delay mean? Hopefully nothing, but does it mean something? Um, but maybe one of the blessings is that Mariana, you know, is older. She could experience the trip in a different way than had she been, you know, closer to being newborn. And I'm sure it was so um, pleasurable for you to see her just playing and and really soaking it up.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely the, you know, you 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 can just kind of count yourself like uh, or at least me personally I count myself very lucky that you know I had the time for my body to respond to treatment heal uh I'm not is in as much pain as I was at the beginning uh you know I'm I'm actually able able to do things you are right i I do think that you know if if we were to go a year ago i think i think it would have been uh a monumental effort mm-hmm. and and i don't know if if it actually would have been <laughs> good mm-hmm. to go let's just say that so so i think um uh, i think waiting and then it just having uh gone so well and uh <laughs> luckily mariana um she was still nervous around water, so I didn't have to worry too much because she it's not like she was gonna run in to the water and try to try to run away. She was a little scared. So uh, you know, even that I was I, I felt I could keep her a little safe too. and, uh, yeah, it really was um, a great trip and uh, and I'm lucky that it, the timing kind of worked out with my treatment and um, and her age and and everything
1: else and that I'm still here, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I wanted to um, come back to, you know, in your story, you talked about a little bit about how your diagnosis obviously was intertwined with Mariana's arrival, you know, Earthside or however you want to say it, you know, Um, and there was a profound... I guess I want to say mindfuck for lack of a better term, right? Where you were dealing with this word palliative and being told you were having palliative care at the same time you were growing a life in your stomach and bringing or in, I shouldn't say your stomach and your uterus obviously, but you're bringing, you know, life forward at the same time you're being told you have this life-ending illness. Can you share a little bit about um Just how you've kind of come to terms with that time, and with where you guys are now, you know, just in your in your parenting and in doing it with a metastatic diagnosis. Um.
0: Yeah. I. You know. I do. I. I do like to swear, (laughs) and I do like that word. Uh, I'm glad. You know, uh, mind fuck. It's not. It's not the first time that I that I heard it. It's not the first time that I said it. It. It was really uh it, it it really was a confusing time, um just just kind of to 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 you know to wrap your head around it. It was a very difficult time because at the time i I was just doubting like mm-hmm. i I was doubting if i should if I should go go through with the pregnancy, is that going to affect? my life um i i've wanted a child for so long um and uh just that it came with this like additional struggle it just seemed so unfair to me and then when you are told terminal um there's no cure you're told all these things and then like is it is it fair to to bring a child into a world where you know you don't know if the parent is is going to be around yeah and um it it, yeah it it is something that i i actually still struggle with right because even though mariana is here and she is she's great and she uh she's full of life and uh i i'm so glad that i'm that i'm here and my treatment is working but in that moment you know you you, you kind of doubt like you know i i had those thoughts mm-hmm. i i did have those thoughts about like do i put my life first do i put her life first who can help me make these decisions there there is no one that can make those decisions yeah um decisions for you uh and uh you know even with a, even with a partner they can't make that decision for you because it's your body right um, but i do i i do believe that it ended up that her like being alive and and being inside me it did actually Save me in a way, mm. uh, and there, you know, the there may or may not be scientific proof to this, but I, I am a scientist at heart, by the way. Uh, but, uh, you know, my, uh, uh, like my white white blood cells were always really, really high because while you're pregnant, your immune system is really working hard. Uh, and uh it's it's keeping you safe. So so you know, I I never draw I never had neutropenia, I never, I never had that. Uh there is only like one specific uh type of chemo cocktail that they can give you during pregnancy, um, which happens to be actually quite aggressive, mm. um, which means that my cancer got attacked by the most aggressive chemo, and this was Solely because I was still pregnant, so they wouldn't have given me that chemo if I wasn't pregnant. They would have just started me on the targeted therapy and gone from there. So I do actually think that it was almost like a, like a symbiosis, where um, yes, the the cancer was there, but because Mariana was there and and <laughs> doing her best to like live that she also protected me in 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 like a true scientific way <laughs> yeah by by oh. having my body be pregnant yeah
1: I love this. I love this so much. And I'm so glad I asked you this question because I'm not sure that I've ever really heard this, um, your answer before to this question. And it's such an interesting perspective. And I agree with you. Everything makes total sense. And it's just, it kind of goes back to this feeling of, you know, is a decision frivolous if it helps me to live, you know, and you have, um, you know, found this, this proof of, of Mariana's existence, bolstering your own health. But I also could see if we could draw that line to, you know, the travels, um, you know, spending money on a tracksuit, like all of these things, maybe on the outside look like decisions that, like you said in your piece, Oh, you can't, you can't choose these things. If you have MBC. you have to just choose, you know, you, there's this one path. And I love your story and your answers and everything is just showing it's very individual and you're the one who's going to live with these decisions, right? So you have to make the ones that feel best to you. No one can tell you, like you said, what's the right choice. So before we run out of time, I do want to ask you about the work you're doing with Rethink. I know that you are um, very active with Rethink Breast Cancer there in Toronto. Will you tell us a little bit about what you're doing and side question, sub question, any tips you have for for allies, um, people who want to support and help the cause of, of stage four breast cancer? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes.
0: Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for asking about that. Um, I am a, a member on the patient NBC advisory board. Uh, but I do, I do think we're more than just advisors, we end up doing a lot of uh, interesting kind of side projects as a group for Rethink. Uh, and one of the uh, one of the exciting things that we're working on now is um, we just completed a position paper um, that uh, will voice uh, or, or we're, will express the voices of MBC patients wanting to be included in a lot more clinical trials and research. I don't know if many people know this, but uh, whenever whenever any kind of cancer research is done. Um, actually, stage four patients are excluded in it because they are assumed that they are uh, not well enough to complete the study, um, or that they are going to skew the results in a in a way that um, that you that that maybe the, research, the researchers don't want to deal with. Uh, but uh, our position is that. Um, having MBC patients represented in your studies um, will actually be beneficial to MBC patients. MBC patients are the ones that mostly need the research to be done uh, right uh, it's it's not the same for early stage where you're in remission and you know uh, you you don't have to deal with with some of the some of the like, lingering treatment effects because, you know, MVC patients are in treatment forever. But yeah, so this is one important uh, sort of thing that we're working on. We're trying to kind of change the mindset um, of researchers to include us in research. And I'm not just talking about clinical trials about drugs or treatments but more about the psychosocial uh, supports that that we may need which is you know effects of having a nurse navigator in uh, in a clinic or or even the effects of exercise on your well-being right those are not Uh, pharmaceutical interventions, but they should be studied in MBC patients. So the other thing that we are now working on, actually, and especially in the province of of Ontario, where I am, um, we are working on uh, making sure that take-home drugs are covered by governmental bodies and that those sort of limits and limitations to patients that need take-home cancer drugs that are not there. NBC patients are just tired of jumping through hoops all the time just to get the treatments that we need. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, lastly, what would I like? uh, (laughs) What would I like NBC allies? And actually not just NBC allies, but if you know anybody with cancer, if you know anybody with stage four cancer, uh, you you know what the struggle is. You know that uh, people have a hard time just sometimes just doing their daily tasks. And there is an election coming up in June second. So for any representatives that you uh, that you know you may be voting for, ask them the questions. What is their plan for? healthcare what is their plan for take home cancer drugs what is their plan for any other drugs what uh, you know patients and people undergoing <laughs> severe chemotherapy treatments um should not be responsible also to you know fill out 40 pages of forms every every other week um so just so just vote with, with what you think um, would be a good solution to these types of problems because it does affect a lot of people and not just MBC patients.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Also, I mean, to, to point out the elephant in the room is no one knows if they themselves won't become stage four, right? And so these issues are important for all of us, not just in a humanitarian way, but in a very... Um, Literal sense. So, yeah, thank you so much for mentioning the election. That's the June 2nd election in Canada. We also have primaries happening here in the US. So, anyone listening, if you have um, representatives you are voting for, we should know what their positions are on um, healthcare for sure. Well, Margaret, thank you so very much. Where can people find you or learn more about you online? I am on Instagram under
0: uh, NBC in Toronto. Uh, And uh, yeah, you can (laughs) you can find some of my happy and angry musings on there about uh, (laughs) about having cancer and also just living with cancer. And maybe you'll get to see my gucci tracksuit
1: i was hoping you would say that yeah so you guys you can read um margaret's piece her hashtag gucci tracksuit story was in the october november 2020 issue of wildfire which you can find in the archives thank you again margaret thank you so much All right, thanks April. Well, I'm April Stearns and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn is a production of Wildfire Magazine where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's chat. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our now 36 issues in the wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. As I said before, there is no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story, and don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. Finally, here is your writing prompt. I want you to set your timer for eight minutes, write without stopping or editing. I want you to write the story of the best money you ever spent. The story of the best money I ever spent was. Eight minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. And consider submitting your money stories to our Cancer and Money 2022 issue. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.